Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbra, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or IELTS from levels four to seven, or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello and welcome back to Practicing English. And today it's Friday, so it's Story Day, and I'm continuing with my book, The Tudor Conspiracy, and we're on Chapter Nine today. As usual, I'm going to give you a few words which you can listen out for while you are. Listening to the reading, listen to the context that the words are used in: where, who, when, or what situation they are used in. And there are four verbs today, and the four verbs are to christen, that's spelled C H R I S T E N. To christen, so we don't pronounce the T, and to christen is another word for to baptize, which is a Christian celebration of baptizing or christening, usually a young child or a baby, so they enter into the Christian faith. The next one is to flow, F L O W. Which means moving continuously. For example, water in a river. So the river flows or flows along. The next one is a verb again. It's to grab, G R A B, and that means to take hold of something with your hand suddenly. So it's quite a quick movement. You, for example, grab your handbag and run off because you are in a hurry. So it means you take something very quickly to grab. And the final one, I'm looking at my book here, as these words are in the glossary of the Tudor Conspiracy book, which is available, by the way, on all Amazon platforms. If you would like to read it. And listen along with these podcasts. Anyway, so here I have the fourth verb, and that is to slam. S L A M. We say to slam a door, to slam a door, which is to close a door very quickly and with a lot of force. Usually, it will make a noise as you slam the door very hard. We say. And I have a question for you as well, something to listen out for. It comes towards the end of the chapter, and the question is: Why did Isabel have a problem with her camera? Why did Isabel have a problem with her camera? And you can find the answers to these questions and the context of the vocabulary that I've just given you. 
at practicingenglish.com. Okay, so let's get on then. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilber. This recording is copyright. Chapter Nine. Holy Trinity Church. Isabel held the quarto under her arm. It had been a bright, sunny morning, but now dark clouds. Were moving across the sky from the west, covering the sun. She noticed how important the sun was as a source of cheer in England. When the sun shone, colour radiated from everything—the grass, the trees, the flowers, the waters of a river, the buildings, even. There was happiness in the air. When the sun disappeared. Behind the clouds, a cold greyness took over. The colours became pale, and the cheer was gone. Philip was the first to break the silence. Well, that's that then. I suppose Mister Fanshawe made a mistake, or the person who gave him the tip-off got it wrong. It's a shame, really. I was quite excited about finding an undiscovered play by Shakespeare. We would have been famous. Isabel looked sideways at Philip and smiled. It seems we were on a wild swan chase, she said. Ah,、uh, that's a wild goose chase, Philip corrected. Those are swans over there, he pointed. To the large white birds swimming peacefully on the River Avon, but you're right. We can go to a public phone box and call Mister Fanshawe later to tell him the news. He's going to be disappointed. Meanwhile, meanwhile, said Isabel, raising her eyebrows. Meanwhile, continued Philip. We could go and see Holy Trinity Church. It's just ahead of us. It's a very famous church. Shakespeare and I were christened there. He laughed. You were christened there," said Isabel, looking interested. "Yes, I was born in Stratford, as I've said. My family lived here until I was two, so I was christened here." In this church, and Shakespeare was christened here too, in 1564. So you're already famous," said Isabel, smiling. "Of course." And then Shakespeare got married here to Anne Hathaway, local rich girl. Hmm. I read that Anne was ten years older than William, and she was pregnant at the time. Said Isabel, "A forced wedding, perhaps. That could explain why Shakespeare went to London to work, and left his wife here in Stratford. He didn't really love her at all." Well, perhaps," said Philip. "But there's another theory. 
His father was in a bad way financially when William got married at 18. Anne was a good prospect, socially and financially, and they did have three children. Maybe young William was happy to marry Anne, for the money at least. Holy Trinity Church looked grey and dark in the half-light of the dull, cloudy sky. For a moment, Isabel felt she did not want to go inside. Something was worrying her. But Philip loved giving his guided tours, so she followed him in. A conspiracy. That's what it was. They were always conspiring, weren't they? She hated them. All of them! She only trusted the cousins. Nobody else mattered. Jane sat in the driver's seat of her car and looked down at her hands. They were shaking a little. She had needed that drink, but she hadn't been able to get one. Those two idiots were in there, and that Spanish girl was looking right at her. Isabel? Or was it Elizabeth? Hadn't she seen her somewhere before? Somewhere deep down in those nightmares she still dreamed of long, long ago? And now she'd probably recognised her. That was a mistake. The master would shake his head slowly and say, Another mistake, Cousin Jane? Did they know now she was looking for the play? Things had gone wrong at first. She'd been to Buddle's place, and it had been closed. Was that just bad luck, or was it part of the conspiracy? She'd gone for a drink in the dirty duck, had to leave quickly because of those two idiots, and waited in her car, watching and waiting for Buddle's place to open. What a coincidence! Coincidence? Jane's lips trembled. Rubbish! When those two arrived at the door, Buddle turned up, almost at the same time. They'd arranged to meet, obviously. Oh, she'd get him. Oh, yes, she'd get him. She'd never trusted him. Hated him. Jane opened the handbag. She looked at the gun inside. Bad, bad Buddle was going to get it. But that would have to wait. First, she needed to get the quarto. Jane had observed what had happened. Then she had thought carefully and had arrived at a conclusion. That's the way the master did things, wasn't it? If you thought about things carefully, you didn't make mistakes. That Spanish girl left Buddle's place with the quarto under her arm. She hadn't stolen it. Oh, no. They'd both turned round and waved goodbye to bad Buddle, 
who stood at the door and waved back, smiling. Bad Buddle had given it to them. Yes, yes, he'd given it to them as if it had been a present. A souvenir, that's it. Jane nodded her head energetically. Yes, a souvenir from Shakespeare's beautiful Stratford-upon-Avon. Not a bad souvenir, eh? Better than a coffee mug with Shakespeare's ugly face on it. But the quarto didn't belong to David. It wasn't his to give, was it? It belonged to the Bodleian Library. All three were conspiring together. They knew she was coming for it. They knew she wanted it. The Elizabeth I play must be hidden inside the quarto. It must be authentic. They had conspired together to hide it, to keep it from her, to keep it from the cousins. But they hadn't known she was watching them. Just across the road, sitting quietly in her car, and observing. They hadn't seen her. No, not this time. She'd observed everything, and she'd arrived at a conclusion. Jane looked through the windscreen at Holy Trinity Church, some fifty metres up the road. It lay peacefully among the trees. Its ancient Gothic stones lay still, and tranquil, while the cool waters of the River Avon flowed gently past. Jane closed the handbag and pressed her hands against it to stop them shaking. She opened the car door and stepped out. The interior of the church was very different from the Catholic Baroque churches of her hometown, Seville. There was no decorated gold-coloured altars or statues of the Virgin Mary. The walls of this church had little decoration. The stained-glass windows, however, were spectacular. Small pieces of coloured glass put together like a jigsaw to make scenes from the Bible. Philip explained to her that the original church dated from 1210, but a lot of the building they could see now was from the 15th century. He also said that it was one of England's most visited churches. What they come to see, of course, is Shakespeare's grave and a memorial, said Philip. He took her to the area of the church near the altar, called the chancel. There, on the wall, was a painted bust of William Shakespeare. He held a quill pen in one hand and a piece of paper in the other. He looks like what I thought he would look like, said Isabel. Well, yes, said Philip. There are very few pictures of Shakespeare, but he probably looked something like this. And the pictures you have seen of him are probably based on this memorial. Shakespeare died in 1616, and this was made shortly afterwards. We don't know exactly when, 
but it must have been made before 1623, because this monument is mentioned in the first folio. It has been repainted many times, though, so the colours are not original. On the floor there was a flat stone, which was Shakespeare's grave, and somebody had left some fresh flowers on top. Isabel looked at the inscription, but it was hard to read. Philip helped. It says here, Good friend, for Jesus' sake forbear, To dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man who spares these stones, And cursed be he that moves my bones. Fascinating, said Isabel. Isn't it? said Philip. Because of this inscription, Shakespeare's bones haven't been moved to Westminster Abbey, and his body has never been examined. He died quite young, probably of an illness. He was only fifty-two. His wife, Anne Hathaway, is buried here, next to him, and here is the grave of his eldest daughter, Susanna. When they had come into the church, it had been empty. So when Isabel heard the noise of the door opening, she looked round. They were tourists, of course, like themselves, but Isabel could not see anybody. She turned back and looked at Philip. Shall we go? she said. I need some fresh air. You're not going anywhere, said a cold voice behind them. Philip and Isabel spun round. Jane was standing there. She still had her sunglasses on, but her lips were trembling uncontrollably, and her face was pulled into a tense grimace. Both her arms were held out straight with a gun pointing at Isabel's chest. Thought you could get away from us, did you? Jane continued. We know about your little game. What game? What are you talking about? said Philip. Do you think you can fool us? We were watching you, don't you know? We saw that Buddle idiot give you the quarto. We know the Elizabeth I play is genuine. We want it back, and we want it now. But, but, started Isabel. Shut up, you Spanish cow, shouted Jane, suddenly hysterical. Throw the quarter towards me. Now, now. Oi, you there. What's going on? came an angry man's voice from the other side of the church. Jane panicked. There was a tremendous explosion as the gun fired, and the head of Shakespeare exploded into a thousand pieces. Then she turned. There was a second explosion as Jane shot at the man. Oh, my leg! My leg! he cried. Philip was not going to wait to see what Jane would do next. He looked at Isabel, but she seemed to be in a dream, 
and she was just staring into space. He grabbed her hand and pulled her towards the exit. Just as they were running through the doorway, Philip turned. He saw Jane standing by the pillar, pointing the gun directly at him. With all his strength, he slammed the heavy wooden door shut, so it was between them and Jane, just as she fired the third bullet. It hit the door, and small pieces of wood fell to the ground. Run! To the river! Quick! said Philip. They ran as fast as they could to the riverside. There were some rowing boats for hire lying empty on the bank. Philip looked around. Nobody seemed to be watching. She's coming! shouted Isabel, pointing towards the church. Jane had just come out and had started running towards them. Get in! Come on! said Philip. They both jumped into the boat. Philip pulled the rope away and picked up the two oars. Sit down, Isabel, he said anxiously, and started rowing hard. The little rowing boat moved fast across the water. The wind was stronger now, as if a storm was coming. It helped push the boat into the middle of the river. Soon they came into a current, and with the wind behind them, they moved quickly downstream. They looked back towards the bank. A group of people had gathered where the hire boats were. Some were pointing at Isabel and Philip. Isabel clearly saw Jane standing calmly among the crowd of people. Under her arm there was a white book. The camera! shouted Isabel and opened her handbag. Holiday snaps now, Isabel, said Philip angrily. To get a photo of her, for proof, said Isabel. But the camera button would not click. I'm out of film, she said despairingly. I should have bought 36 exposures. And that's the end of chapter 9. Until next Friday, goodbye for now. 